0: This is the
1: Creative Funding Show, a podcast for authors, YouTubers, and podcasters who want to fund the work they love without selling out. Welcome to the Creative Funding Show. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., and with me is Mary Demuth, who's an international speaker and podcaster. She's also a novelist, a nonfiction author. And many, many more things, but I don't want to give away too much of her story. I want to let her tell it. She lives in Texas with her husband of 28 years and is the mom of three adult children. Mary, welcome to the Creative Funding Show.
0: So glad to be here. Thanks for having me on.
1: So how did you get started writing?
0: (laughs) Well, I've always kind of been writing my whole life, but in terms of a career as a writer, I... Uh, once I had my first child, I had this like compelling need to be published and not in a like, oh, a grandiose way, like I need to validate my existence by being published. But just like I had this so much inside of me that I needed to get out and to share it with folks in, you know, that I wanted to help people, especially just heal from trauma and stuff like that. So I spent about 10 years in the 90s and uh, just writing, 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 and things didn't really take off for me until kind of the mid 2000s where um, that's where I landed an agent. i had had a newspaper column. I was just working, working, working on my craft. And starting about 2005, I've been writing uh, for the most part three books a year for uh, about 13 years now.
1: Very nice. So you started off the traditional way. And of of your traditional books, uh, the one that's my favorite is Thin Places. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. When people ask me what my favorite book is, that's the one I'll say as well. And that's my memoir, which is was a really hard book to write. Um, It basically tells a story of my upbringing and anyone who's had a hard upbringing and knows that their family members are still alive that are involved in the story, you would know that it's not an easy thing to do because you could risk relationship and All of that, but I really felt like it was time for me to write the story. I'd finally started to share it publicly, verbally, as a speaker, and um, I knew that there was power in telling a story so that other people could say, "Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that was neglected or abused or experienced sexual abuse or death of a parent or divorce of my parents or drug abuse in the home." Those were just some of the things that I had experienced when I was a little kid.
1: Yeah, and so you write this book about. Your journey of overcoming sexual abuse or being a survivor of sexual abuse and the healing that you had. And I will, I'm not ashamed to admit, it. I cried at least once while reading a book. <laughs> it's very, very powerful. And uh, what was the reaction? Did readers ask you to write a follow-up book?
0: Uh, they did, um, but they were more interested in seeing... More of the process because Thin Places is a memoir, so my goal in writing that book was simply storytelling. And there's things you can take away from that book in terms of you know for your own healing journey or feeling validated and all of that. But folks wanted to know, okay, how do I heal from sexual abuse? What does that process look like? And so I I started mulling that over in my mind, and that's where the book. Uh, I also wrote um, a viral post uh, for I think it was Christianity Today or another entity that was about, um, I think it was called, I'm sick of hearing about your smoking hot wife. <laughs> and uh, and what I meant by that is that uh, I was frustrated when I was sitting in the pew and I was hearing about how wives are always supposed to be so- sexually available to their husbands. And I realized looking around the room that there were probably 40 to 50% of the women in the room had been sexually abused. And so for them to do that, there was a lot of hurdles to get over. And so I was tired of this kind of shame being heaped on victims of you're not doing enough, you should do more. And when they just don't even have the capacity. And so from that, it gave me this desire to write a book, which ended up becoming not marked. And that kind of started absolutely started my journey in crowdfunding.
1: So you are uh, successfully traditionally published. You've done a lot of books. You have an agent. You wrote a viral blog post. So I bet traditional publishers (laughs) are falling all over themselves to publish this book, right?
0: Well, maybe if it had happened in the Me Too era, but not then. And I did pitch it to several of my publishers. I've had different publishers throughout the years, and all of them were like... You know, they didn't say it this way, but basically we won't touch that with a 10 foot pole. And one of them actually did say, we don't believe there's an audience for this book. And I was so frustrated. Wow. I was like, you mean almost half of the people in the world have experienced this and you think there's no market for it. Okay. Well. Let me just do this on my own then.
1: Which if this had happened 20 years ago, that would have been the end of the story. Like there's, there was, there's like, okay, well, you win people in the suits who are out of touch with humanity, but that's not what happened. What happened next?
0: So, um, I called my friend, his name's Thomas Umstadt and
1: (laughs) I do know this,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know, the story you're baiting me. No, uh, I called you or we talked and, um, we uh, I knew that you had done crowdfunding and and I think it was your suggestion and we you and I mutually belong to a mastermind group. It was through that that we all kind of figured out that it would be important to to crowdfund this and I was like i don 't want to do that, I hate asking for money, totally hate it, it and you know this because you had to hit me over the head a couple times. But um, I consulted with you because you'd had a successful campaign and our initial goal was $10,000, which would cause me to be able to pay for the editing, the cover and the print run of 5,000 copies.
1: And we put it on Kickstarter because that's what I recommended. Right. And Kickstarter rejected you too.
0: <laughs> yes. I was like, whatever. <laughs> Everyone's rejecting me. At the time, and I don't know if Kickstarter is still this way, but at the time, they wouldn't do self-help books and they perceived that, which it was a self-help book. So we jumped over to Indiegogo. I just kind of took, to, took all the HTML from that page and pasted it into an Indiegogo. They said yeah, and we did a die, a do or die campaign, meaning if it didn't raise in a month and it didn't raise at all, and uh, because I think that's really important in terms of. Having that immediacy for people like they're going to get behind it because if it doesn't fund, it doesn't fund.
1: That's right. Indiegogo is like the laid back, younger brother, actually older brother of Kickstarter. Kickstarter is super uptight. They have relaxed some of their rules since then. So you could have put your book on Kickstarter now, but they're just... It's much harder to get your campaign approved on Kickstarter than it is on Indiegogo. Indiegogo is like, yeah, whatever, dude. You want to fund your book? That's fine. You have an audience. <gasps> Kickstarter is like, ah! <laughs> it's true. It's true. So you you launched uh, the campaign and we worked together on you know figuring out rewards um, that would work. And uh, you launch it. So w- what happened kind of in that first week of you having your Indiegogo? Campaign live.
0: Um, besides my practical nervous breakdown, uh, it went very well. <laughs> uh, and I, th- I believe it was in just a few days. Uh, of course, you know me, Thomas, I'm not really good at looking at stats, but um, it was within a few days that it funded to the ten. 10- to the ten thousand dollar level,
1: take that, publishers! You <laughs> yeah, say there is like, no audience for a book about recovering from sexual abuse. <laughs> you just missed out.
0: <laughs> I know, right? And so then um, we had already predetermined stretch goal levels, so it wasn't like this took us by surprise. We were hoping to get that, and but we—I don't think either of us knew we would get it so quickly. So then we rolled out our stretch goals, which some of which included, um, uh, I think. A, a study guide for the book to be created. And the big one, the big kahuna at 25,000 was an audiobook produced. And that actually does cost a lot of money to do. And so, um, when it was all said and done, we ended up with over 25,000, just a little bit over. And I was able to, to go ahead and do the audiobook. And honestly, you know, had I thought about it further, I might have tried for maybe some more because I didn't really personally make any money off of this. I poured all $25,000 back into the project, which is great, which is what it should be. But I certainly wasn't remunerated for my time or anything like that, but that's fine. I mean, this is a ministry, so I was happy just to get it funded.
1: And you went with offset printing instead of print on demand, and I feel like that's an important thing to explain. What's what's the difference between those two? Advantages and disadvantages.
0: Right. So, um, people would ask the question, "Well, why don't you just put it up on Create Space, and then it's print on demand, it doesn't cost you anything?" And uh, the reason we went with offset printing is if I had put it on um, Create Space, the cost for me to buy my own book was like six or $7. Um, and if I wanted to be able to donate it to a ministry, which I continue to do to this day, I would have to absorb that cost. And so if I did a print run and I actually have a friend that has a warehouse that, that ships for me um, which helped <laughs> tremendously in the process and, and helped the decision. But if I did a print run, then it reduced down to a dollar a copy. And so I, um, that's what we did because now for me to donate 500 books besides shipping, it's $500 and that's so much cheaper than, you know, six times that amount.
1: That's right. So you can send my women's shelter a a box of books and it's not this bank breaking event.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, I just, I just did this like two weekends ago. I sent two cases to a church that I spoke at and just gave them away. And, you know, that's my heart in this book is, I want people to to understand they're not alone. I want them to walk the healing journey. And the most unique part of the book, book is that my husband w- wrote part of it. So I am a sexual abuse survivor. He is not. Um, and how he had to kind of learn... What it's like to live with a sexual abuse survivor and how to help and what didn't help. And, and so, anyone who's been like frustrated or confused and they're trying to help their friend who's walked through this, it's a really good book for them too.
1: Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit what's happened after that. So, once you got the taste of crowdfunding,
0: uh, <laughs> then I like, ran maybe, away. No.
1: <laughs> like maybe this whole traditional uh, publishing thing, maybe not as great as everyone says it is. So, so what, are you, what are you making? What are you creating currently?
0: Uh, currently I'm weirdly creating art. <laughs> so, um, I'm creating, uh, pieces of art that came about and this is kind of an interesting thing for your listeners is pay attention to your audience so I during the Lent season was creating art every day and I did it for like four or five years and every single time I did it which I thought it was ridiculous and funny but people would ask would you please sell your art online and I was like that's dumb but this year I finally listened to my audience and I've started selling that on, um, on Etsy and so just another platform that allows you to sell something that's creative, not the same as crowdfunding, but another avenue of, of income stream. And, and the takeaway from that is listen to your audience because if they want something from you, then you can give it to them. It's the same with Not Marked. I listened to my audience. They wanted that book and I gave it to them.
1: I think that's a really powerful principle, and it's a really powerful principle when you're putting together rewards, whether it's for a Indiegogo campaign or a Patreon campaign. The best rewards are what your audience is already asking for. <laughs> so uh, sometimes you're like, Oh, I should do this thing that's a whole lot of work, and your audience is like, We don't really care about that. And this yeah. other thing <laughs> that's really easy for you to do, and you're like, Why would anyone want that? People are like, Oh my gosh, give me more, give me more. And you have to, re- there's this thing called the curse of knowledge where we don't know what, what we don't know or what it's like to not know what we know. You know, it's the math teacher problem. They've been teaching the same math class for 30 years. It's so obvious to them (laughs) and the student, you know, the freshman in the class, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it can be that same way with our backers sometimes.
0: It's true. And also I'm uh, to answer your question a little more fully. The other thing I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm podcasting. And initially I was doing a show called the Restory show. And I've done that for several years and that's beginning to wind down. And that was a a interview show where people were uh, telling, their restories, meaning they had this one story, it was terrible, things went wrong, and then there was a, a shift and there was a restory. Now I'm doing a podcast called Pray Every Day, where I walk people through verse by verse a particular book of the Bible or chapter of the Bible, and then I pray for five minutes for people. And uh, that's now currently on a Patreon campaign, and I am funding that. Uh, I'm funding the editing that way, or at least partially funding the editing that way. And uh, that's a pretty new thing for me to do Patreon. And uh, it's been an interesting process. I'm surprised any humans are backing it. I'm grateful and it is a big help.
1: Yeah. So uh, walk us through your Patreon rewards. Tell us a little bit about your Patreon campaign.
0: Yeah. So um, to me, it's been uh, trying to figure that out because... I um I wasn't really sure what to give people, but I, it kind of correlates with my art as well is people kept asking me for it, so I said, okay, well, if you support me at um, five dollar or more. Uh, level, then you'll get an original piece of art digitally. I'm not going to send it to everybody like in the mail because that would just drive me crazy. But uh, digitally, I'll send them an original piece. um, And so that's one of them. Another is uh, when you get to the $20 level, you receive a um, free audio of me every month that nobody else gets. It's nowhere, anywhere on Um, in the world. And so they are able to do that. The next thing I'm considering, and Thomas and I have talked about this, is um, to create a $10 level, which would be, would you like your name on my website on the post for Pray Every Day? And this goes up 365 days a year. So if you back at that level, then your name is going to be on every blog post that goes up that advertises Pray Every Day.
1: This is one of those really easy things for you to do that people get very excited about. And you'll notice that this there's nothing new about this idea of putting people's names on things. Universities have been doing this for centuries. Yes. <laughs> They're like, give us a million dollars and we'll name a building after you. Give us a thousand dollars and we'll put your name on a brick. <laughs> and then, like you go to a university and like there are thousands of bricks and they have different people's names on them. You go to a bench, there's a name on the bench. And like everything that could be possibly is named, it's named and it's paid for. And it's, it's funny because sometimes I go to a university and it'll have some generic name for a building. And I'm like, Oh, it's a, your name here, please sponsor.
0: <laughs> yes. This is a sponsored
1: <laughs> needing to be room. sponsored. I'm like, Oh yeah, that'll totally be the Oak room 10 years from now. It'll be named after somebody. <laughs> it'll be and, the Umstat room. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll become a, a big patron. Uh, so I, I love how you're doing this and you're able to connect with a core group of patrons who in a sense have have pivoted, right? You've pivoted from one podcast to another podcast or you're in the process of doing that. Have you gotten any pushback from your patrons on that?
0: You know, I thought I would, but I got zero and, you know, I had changed what the page looks like and I did a new video and all of that and it it stayed the same and actually more people got um, on board. I think part of that reason is because... um, You know, I've been talking about it on the podcast about every seven or eight, maybe 10 episodes. I'll say, hey, be a Patreon sponsor because since it's a daily podcast, I don't want to be like, hey, do this. But as we were talking, I just got a great idea. I thought, you know, I'm going to create a graphic for my site um, for the each post, which has bricks on it and names. (laughs) So uh, every time someone subscribes to that $10 level, I'm going to etch their name into a brick and that will upload again to... Um, to the page. So I thought that would be kind of fun.
1: Yeah, there you go. And uh, this is an, an important point because people ultimately are, are they're backing your art, but even more so they're backing you. And whether you're creating you know, a podcast where you're interviewing people, you're creating a podcast where you're praying every day, it's still the sort of thing that's very consistent with your brand and very consistent with what they're expecting from you. And they're not like, Oh, you know, I'm going to stop backing you because you've made this pivot or at least you're the core audience that you have so far. None of them have, have made that decision. And, uh, I think this is an important point because people can be paralyzed to change. Like, Oh my goodness, I'm having this success here. If I change what I'm doing, I'll lose all my fans. I'll have to start over from scratch. And that's not necessarily true.
0: No. And you need to follow your joy as well. And you know, I've had an, a, Tremendous amount of joy doing the restory show, and over the past couple months, for whatever reason, the joy just drained from me, and it became a drill instead of a joy. I was like, "Oh, I've got to do this again," and I just, for whatever reason, I I can't even really explain it. But when I started the pray every day show, I was like, "This is really what I need to be doing. I love this, and it's very fun." and and so, yeah, I mean, I – and I also shifted the, the way in which I viewed the patronage of that show versus ReStory. So, the ReStory patronage was like, let's get these stories out there. Let's hear these amazing stories. This one is, let's get these prayers to the end of the world. And so, it's kind of almost a wider goal of – You being a sponsor helps us get this all over the place, which is really cool. Like one of the things that we did was I was able to pay someone to get it up on Alexa skills on the, um, on the Amazon echo. And that has been one of the greatest sources of traffic for the podcast.
1: Yeah. Pro tip, uh, the echo platform, the smart speaker platform is growing faster than the smartphone platform grew. Uh, people are adopting it faster than they adopted iPhones back in the day. So if you're a podcaster, if you're a YouTuber, if you're an author, whatever you're doing, you need to start thinking, how does what I create, how can that be manifested on an, on an Echo? <laughs> and I encourage you, get an Echo. Go, go buy the $30 dot just so you can understand this revolution. Because if you don't have one, it's really hard to understand what they are. Because it's not like a phone. It's not like a television. It's not like a radio. And yet it is kind of like all of those things. <laughs> right. So what advice do you have for somebody who's thinking about writing a book and they're not sure uh, where the money is going to come from? You know, they're thinking about Kickstarter, they're thinking about Patreon, they're thinking about Indiegogo. Uh, what advice do you have?
0: Well, for a book, it makes more sense to me to do a, a larger platform, you know, like Indiegogo or Kickstarter, where it's just a one and done, you get your five, dollars dollars And then you'd make your book. My friend, Erin Kincaid is currently funding a children's book, which is going to have amazing illustrations. And, uh, she's going to have, that's going to get funded. I know it will be funded and it's a one and done. It's a $5,000 one. And, and now she'll be able to have this book created. Um, so that's what I would advise. If you're doing something ongoing artistically, like a podcast, then I would say jump onto Patreon, sponsor a few people. Like I sponsor one of Thomas's, the novel marketing podcast. I sponsor that and, and just kind of go through the process of what it's like to be a sponsor and look at a lot of pages and begin to see what people really love to do. And, you know, what are the ones that get the most? And I think that's, that's super helpful to just get your own intelligence and find out what, what works.
1: Yeah, I think the best way to learn these platforms is to just spend $10 a month patronizing 10 different uh, campaigns or go on Kickstarter and spend 20 bucks and just a dollar per campaign because you learn just as much giving a dollar as you do giving $20 actually buying the thing. And what's interesting is that all of these platforms allow you to give a dollar and get no reward because the reward you're getting is not the board game that you're back on Kickstarter. It's all of the updates and seeing what they're doing and the changes they make. Because uh, when you go to a page that's funded, you see the final version of that page. You don't see the beginning and the middle and the end and how it's adapted and the changes and the struggles. And the I got a lot of feedback about this. And so I'm making this change. Like all of that journey you can observe and get access to if you're a patron or if you're a backer. And it's uh, a very inexpensive way to learn how to do it well. There's Um, A correlation on Kickstarter of how, and I've mentioned this before on the show, uh, the more campaigns a creator has backed on Kickstarter, the higher their success rate. So for people who've backed one campaign, their success rate is 16%. For people who've backed over 50 campaigns, their success rate is over 60%. So you have six times more likelihood of succeeding. 600% success rate goes up if you back 50 campaigns first, just because of all of the learning and the understanding uh, that goes on during that process.
0: Yeah. And if you don't have that kind of time, then hire someone like Thomas to help you because that's kind of, I came into it really naive and not knowing anything. And I knew that I needed to have someone who understood it better than me to walk me through it. And then we were very successful. So um, that's my other bit of advice is if you're time strapped and you can, you can hire them by either giving them a cash reward or give them a percentage of what, what comes in and um that way you don't have to have cash up front. So uh that's also another way you can have your intel is to use someone or you know be mentored by someone who already knows how to do it.
1: That's right. All right. So Mary, where can people find out more about you?
0: Well um everything's at marydemuth.com com and uh the podcast that we've been talking about today is pray everyday dot show. And uh thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, you can find me all over the internet and in crazy places and little corners of the internet, but mostly There you go. I'll
1: have links to her website and her Patreon and all the other things in the show notes. If you just scroll down in your podcasting app, you can tap uh, to go to those pages. And Mary, thank you so much for coming on the Creative Funding Show.
0: Thanks. It's been my pleasure.